Welcome back to Dermatologically Tested. This week, me and Matt will be chatting with Dr. Justine Cluck about pregnancy and the skin. I think it's one of these topics that I hope is going to be really useful. I'm hoping that I'm going to be able to ask some vaguely useful questions, but I suspect that Justine will be leading this one and uh, leading us in the right direction as somebody that has never been pregnant and never will be pregnant, as will come as no surprise to <laughs> I think this would be a topic that uh, many women out there will find very insightful. I can't say that I've been pregnant either. So yeah, like you said, Justine would definitely be taking the lead on this one. But I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what she has to say and sharing her insight with us. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and just to reassure listeners, we did yeah. canvas social media for a, for a few questions to ask. And if you do have any questions that we can use for upcoming episodes, then don't be afraid to jump on social media and hit us up on either Instagram or Twitter at Derm Tested. And we can put your questions to the experts. I think there's on there, if you go back a little way, there's some posts outlining some of the upcoming episodes uh, or topics that we're, we're tackling this season, including the environment, uh, tattoos, um, looking at the, the history of that and the impact that it can have on your skin health, but also the cultural associations. Uh, we'll be looking at adolescent skin. Um, so take a look. And if you do have any questions that you think are relevant, just give us a shout on social media. And we do always want to hear from you. Uh, but for now, we shall talk to Dr. Justine Cluck, consultant dermatologist. Welcome, Justine. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk about a subject that we, I think me and Matt, aren't that well versed in personally. So I'm really fascinated to sort of learn more about pregnancy and the skin. So the first question I have for you, Justine, is what are the most common skin complaints for pregnant people? So I think there is an easy way to sort of divide this answer because there's quite a lot of things that can happen to our skin during pregnancy. And some of these are what we would say are normal physiological changes. Some of these are changes that are of skin conditions that might appear for the first time or flare up during pregnancy. And then there are some specific pregnancy-related rashes. So I think we'll sort of um, go through those bit by bit. Uh, it, uh, that probably makes better sense. So some of the more common things that people might notice uh, during uh, pregnancy, uh, I certainly did when I was pregnant, um, are changes often related to the hormones uh, around pregnancy. So estrogen and progesterone levels increase during pregnancy. And one of the results of that is an increased blood volume because you've got to support a new developing baby. So um, with the increased blood volume, some of the changes in the skin that people will often notice are things like reddening of the palms and that's called palmar erythema also little burst blood vessels on the face or on the upper chest we call those spider nevi because they look like little spidery uh, red blood vessels if you look up close and um, other things that people might notice from increased blood volume are uh, things like varicose veins uh, the joy is not strictly a skin related problem but something people might notice on 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 the skin of their legs for example then there are other um, little growths that might appear on the skin uh, during pregnancy, like skin tags, for example, those sort of wobbly um, little skin-coloured bumps that often appear around the neck or under the arms or sometimes in the groin. 
And then there are pigment related changes in the skin. So for example, darkening of the skin around the nipples, um, the area we call the areola, or um, what's called the linea nigra, which is the sort of strip that goes from your belly button uh, down to your pubic bone uh, on the lower part of your tummy. And uh, it can often be quite prominent during pregnancy and then um, reduces again in appearance um, uh, as time goes on. So those are some of the normal physiological changes of pregnancy. The other nice um, well, I think it's nice. Uh, physiological changes. Uh, actually, the skin often looks more glowy during pregnancy. Some something people talk about a lot is the the pregnancy glow. Why is that? What, what's <laughs> happening there? Like, I mean, because yeah, I I've got to say it's something that I've heard of before, and you know, you sort mm-hmm. of you, it's often used as a as a crutch in slightly poorly written films and television shows. <laughs> um, but, I agree. But what it's is that sort of, glow? elusive pregnancy glow which some people will never experience so I think it's a bit of a sort of um uh, it can be disappointing if it, if it doesn't happen to you um, <laughs> but the sebaceous glands in the skin which are the oil producing glands something we often talk about in relation to conditions like acne um, are also under the influence of our hormones and can produce can sort of step up production if you like uh, under the influence of the pregnancy hormones and that might translate into uh, a glow that partnered with the, the sort of increased blood volume so some people will end up looking radiant and glowy other people might just feel puffy and greasy so I think it kind of depends on uh, it kind of depends on on the person and uh, and how they uh, what their perspective is but um, yeah I mean it sounds very attractive doesn't it so you roll the dice really on which one you're gonna get I suppose. exactly I kept waiting for it to happen I, I, I think um, uh, people often say the second trimester of pregnancy sort of uh, 12 weeks onwards um, is the time where that sort of glow really uh, really sets in anyway if it happens it's nice so you've obviously talked about a lot of the physiological things that can can happen to your body i mean if that happens to you are you sort of stuck with that or are there things that you can do and are they worthwhile things you know to to fix the spider nevi and so on yeah, I think it's a really it's a really great question, and I think part of the reason I, I refer to these as being physiological is actually because these are sort of not abnormal things that are happening. They're, they're sort of normal, and it's part of your body's response to the changes that are happening to support the pregnancy. So, to a degree, there, there's not going to be very much you can do about these things because they're things that have you know the the hormone changes are things that have to happen in order for you to you know progress in your pregnancy and have a healthy baby. But for example, you know, if you do develop the spider nevi, the little burst blood vessels on the skin, those may improve naturally after you've had the baby and hormone uh, levels return to normal. Or there are sort of cosmetic treatments, for example, that can be done like cauterizing them or laser to get rid of them. Things like the red palms tend to settle down on their own. The dark stripe on the tummy tends to settle down on its own. Um, skin tags can be removed relatively simply Um, again it would be considered a cosmetic procedure it's not something I would expect to be done regularly on the NHS for example Um, varicose veins there are things you can do to improve those so um, part of the reason we get the varicose veins is the increased blood volume but part of that is also the weight of the developing baby on the uh, blood vessels in the pelvis and so, you know, getting regular exercise, so walking around to get the muscle pumps in your calf going to help improve blood flow, avoiding prolonged standing on the spot in one position because gravity then puts more pressure on the blood vessels, sitting with your feet up above sort of uh, waist level when, you know, watching telly or reading, you know, a book or the paper at the end of the day. 
I, I say that like we're all old, old men and old women, <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, basically taking the weight off your feet, wearing support socks. Those are the sort of things you could do, for example, to improve um, the varicose vein. So those are some of, some of the things that can be done. One of the other things patients ask me about all the time is stretch marks, which I would consider to be another physiological change of the skin uh, during pregnancy. Um, I, I actually read, uh, interestingly, that 50 to 90 percent of people of women uh, develop stretch marks during pregnancy. And, you know, my own experience was I was looking out for them almost on a daily basis when I was pregnant. And every week I was like, oh, phew, they haven't, uh, they haven't appeared yet. And then actually in the last week or two of my pregnancy, because my baby was late to come, they, uh, they developed. And I think the, the risk of getting stretch marks is certainly higher if you're carrying a bigger baby and your skin has to stretch more, uh, or if you're from a family that who tends to develop stretch marks more easily, sometimes these things are um, under genetic influence. And there's not a whole lot you can do about it. You'll read lots of miracle cures online and um, I'm sort of quite sceptical about all of these. I think, you know, moisturising the skin well is probably the best uh, you can do. And I I wouldn't um, sort of believe any of the um, miracle lotions and potions uh, that you read about. And we can use things like, you know, retinoid creams, vitamin A-based creams and and, um, uh, massage and what have you postpartum to help reduce the appearance of them. So that that would be, I think, one of the other um, uh, sort of really common changes in the skin during pregnancy. Yeah, I think it's it's something that, you know, the press team at the BAD get asked about quite a lot. And... um, I think there's it's quite easy to spend a lot of money on all kinds of things to to try and fix it, which is totally understandable. But yeah, I, I think the the evidence that that we see, you know, you know, published in in the journals tends to suggest that unfortunately there's not a huge amount that can be done. I think it's also part of a big bigger conversation about normalizing, you know, postpartum skin and postpartum bodies. Um, something that there's, you know, uh, I think a lot more discussion about these days. So, you know, the fact that fifty to ninety percent of women who've had babies have stretch marks tells you that this is actually really normal and common. And so it may be that there's nothing that can be done about it or or nothing really satisfactory that can be done about it but it's okay it's normal and we shouldn't you know we shouldn't feel bad about ourselves if these sorts of things happen so you've talked about the physiological um sort of side of things what about sort of skin conditions so i think this is really important there are lots of different skin conditions uh, um, and some that um, we know are likely to flare up during pregnancy include conditions like melasma, for example. Melasma is a pigmentary skin condition, causes these sort of brownish or greyish patches to appear, uh, usually on the face. So, for example, the forehead, the upper lip, the upper cheeks, the jawline. Um, and it's sort of classic for it to um, either start or flare up during pregnancy and part of the management of that will be really strict sun protection there are other treatments that can be very helpful for melasma but they're sort of relatively limited during pregnancy we want to sort of limit unnecessary medication that might potentially um, uh, affect a baby when when a woman is pregnant so uh, sun protection is the mainstay of managing that condition uh, during pregnancy um, other conditions that can flare up during pregnancy include acne, a condition that I have a particular interest in. Uh, it's more likely to flare up, or I should say it's most likely to flare up uh, in the first trimester of pregnancy as the estrogen and progesterone levels really start to, to um, rise. 
And um, I read rather depressingly somewhere that uh, 90% of people who have a history of acne are at risk of their acne flaring up, particularly in the first trimester of pregnancy. But obviously, the degree to which that happens varies. So for some people, it might just be, a, you know, a few more spots. For others, it might be, uh, it might be more severe than that. And GP or dermatologist could advise on appropriate treatment uh, that's pregnancy safe, you know, safe for the baby. Uh, the good news is for many women who have acne during pregnancy, it does tend to get better as the pregnancy progresses. That's obviously not a hard and fast rule, but um, uh, I think that is uh, something to feel encouraged about um, uh, if, if you do find yourself in the midst of an acne flare. And then there are other really common skin conditions like eczema and psoriasis, for example, which can kind of go either way during pregnancy. So uh, it's hard to know what to predict for, for patients who have these conditions. So um, conditions like um, psoriasis may stay the same, may get better or may get worse. And it's worth having a plan in place with your doctor, you know, if you're on treatment for psoriasis to sort of work out whether any modifications are necessary to your treatment when you get pregnant and, you know, to, to have a backup plan in place, you know, if things flare up. And with eczema, again, it can get better. Um, and, and sometimes um, and sometimes it can get worse. So the, the same goes really in terms of, you know, checking whether the treatment you're on already is appropriate uh, and whether any um, changes need to be made uh, during the time you're pregnant. And the, then there are, you know, sort of much rarer conditions that can appear for the first time or, or flare up during pregnancy. But I think those are the, the ones that are most common, the acne, the melasma, eczema and psoriasis. One of the questions that we had on Instagram was whether or not pregnancy triggered rosacea will resolve itself uh, post-pregnancy or if that's something that person has to, to live with and manage yeah, that's a great question. I think actually um, uh, rosacea can flare up during pregnancy as it can um, at any major sort of uh, shift uh, in life. And um, the, the other condition which can look similar to rosacea is a condition called perioral dermatitis, which quite frequently flares up during pregnancy. Uh, and the answer is that if it appeared during pregnancy for the first time, hopefully, uh, you know, there's, there is a chance uh, that the pregnancy was a trigger and that things could get better once you've delivered your baby. But it's not a guarantee, unfortunately. And um, conditions like rosacea uh, can be long-term conditions. So it may be that you were going to develop it anyway, that the pregnancy was the stimulus that triggered it to flare up at this point, And it may requ require some form of ongoing management afterwards. So it's a little bit nuanced. I couldn't say it would definitely disappear after uh, after pregnancy. But, you know, if that was the ma major stimulus, then yes, it may, it may well improve postpartum. So are there sort of any ingredients or like medications, I'm, I'm sure there are loads, that pregnant people should actively avoid when they're trying to look after their skin? Um, it's a great question, Harriet, and I think actually there's sort of more things to avoid than than um, than one might think about as as you um, as you sort of refer, refer to there. And I think from a medication perspective, I think assume all things are off li limits unless your doctor has discussed the fact that you need to continue taking certain medication during pregnancy. What I wouldn't do then is just stop medication without consulting with anyone. So I think definitely worth checking uh, worth checking with your doctor. So for example, I definitely wouldn't want any of my psoriasis or eczema a patient to suddenly stop their treatment just because they're planning a pregnancy or just because they found out they're pregnant definitely discuss that with your doctor but yeah assume most things are off limits unless otherwise advised from a skincare perspective um the the first one that sort of springs to mind would be the 
a group of medications called retinoids um, and they exist in over-the-counter forms as well. So retinoids are vitamin A derivatives, um, classically used um, a lot in treating acne, both in oral form, that's called isotretinoin or the brand name is Roaccutane or topical form. So prescription creams that would be applied usually at nighttime for, for acne. And retinol is a sort of sister, uh, if you like, of, uh, of the prescription retinoids and is found in, in over-the-counter products, uh, often sort of anti-aging products. Um, and that you would want to avoid uh, when you're trying to conceive or pregnant. Other things um, uh, that one uh, might need to avoid uh, in skincare, um, skin lightening agents like hydroquinone. Um, in the UK, I believe this would be prescription only. So I think you're unlikely just to encounter it in your sort of night cream. But that would be another one that would be strictly off limits during pregnancy. Salicylic acid in high doses. Um, uh, is It's recommended that that's avoided during pregnancy. Uh, that can be a little bit tricky for people to navigate because um, there are lots of skincare products that um, will have sort of salicylic acid sort of you know, what's the word, brandished on the label, if you like, because that's the active ingredient they want to shout about. And that's often, again, in acne um, sort of preparations, either sort of cleansers or or spot treatments. Um, but sometimes salicylic acid is just sort of a, a happy bystander, if you like, in a product and it's sort of listed halfway down or near the bottom of the ingredients on the back. And you might not know it's there because it's not mentioned anywhere else on the package. So we basically want people to avoid high strength salicylic acid. So I'd say something like a 2% apply to tiny areas, you know, lo locally on a targeted basis is probably fine. Um, but I wouldn't want anyone using a high strength salicylic acid on wide areas for a prolonged period of time during pregnancy. Those I think are the sort of main ones um, I think that people are likely to encounter in skincare. And in terms of things that are okay to use, sunscreen's okay to use, we would encourage it. If you have breakouts, your your doctor or derm, you know your GP or your dermatologist can recommend other sort of pregnancy safe skincare ingredients. Things like azelaic acid or niacinamide or glycolic acid are generally considered safe. And um, one question we were asked on this is um, around topical steroids. Is that something you can continue to use in pregnancy? Is it something that you need to sort of do in con consultation with your doctor, or what would you advise around that? So. Um, Topical steroids are safe to use in pregnancy or breastfeeding. Um, and topical steroids may be part of someone's treatment, for example, if they have eczema or, or um, psoriasis, for example. And um, I think it is worth a discussion with your doctor if you're planning a pregnancy or if you find yourself pregnant about, you know, whether you can continue on the same strength of your topical steroid, you know, which sites you should be applying it to, how often and for how long. Um, so I think that would be um, agreed on a case-by-case -case basis. But in principle, yes, topical steroids are, are safe to use during pregnancy like anything during pregnancy though one does even if even if we say a medication is safe we try to limit their use if then you know if they're not absolutely necessary but there will be cases where people have long-term conditions so for example if you're someone who's had really severe eczema for many years maybe you've had oral medication for your eczema in the past and now you've got things under control with a topical steroid there's pretty much you know no way your doctor's going to tell you you've got to stop all your treatment now because you're pregnant because the risk is your condition could flare up and if your condition flares up and it was difficult to bring it under control again, then, you know, there would be a need potentially to escalate to other treatments, which may be less pregnancy safe. So, it, you know, kind of needs to be discussed on a case by case basis. But, you know, in, in general, um, if required for con controlling your condition, they are safe to use. 
Yeah, I think that's a really good message to to just, you know, that consultation with your doctor and work with your doctor to to find something that works for you and is safe for you and safe for your baby. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a really simple and strong message to get across to people. Yes, exactly. We want everything to be lined up for you to have a sort of uncomplicated pregnancy and for your skin not to be the thing that, um, how do I put it, makes life miserable for you really whilst, you know, whilst you should be having, you know, a good time enjoying being pregnant and being happy about that. And, um, you know, having a big skin flare up in the middle of all of that would be very disappointing. So yeah, we, we don't want that to happen. And we can advise you on how to manage things safely. Are there any things or like, I know that we said sunscreen, but is there anything else that uh, pregnant women can be doing to sort of look after their skin proactively? Yes. So I think that um, I'm trying to think back to my experience here. I think the sort of general um, skincare advice about having a good skincare routine. So cleansing and moisturizing your skin morning and evening, wearing sunscreen uh, daily. Um, so I, as a matter of routine, put on a sun protection product to expose skin uh, every morning. And I certainly didn't stop doing that during my pregnancy. In fact, I developed melasma for the first time uh, when I was pregnant with my little girl, who's now two. And um, so uh, i, I really upped the ante with my with my sunscreen during pregnancy. Um, skin in general can sometimes feel a little bit dry and irritable all over during pregnancy. And um, so moisturizing your skin well, um, you know, a couple of times a day, or, or for example, uh, after the shower when the skin is still slightly damp, that would be a good practice um, to follow. Um, and also if your skin is dry, sometimes using a soap substitute instead of a shower gel or soap when you're bathing uh, may help to um, reduce a sort of uh, impact on the skin barrier in terms of the skin feeling dry or irritated. So those are some of the, uh, the things that you could do. Uh, on the sun protection front, before I forget, I should of course say things like wearing a hat and sunglasses, it's etc should still you know should still be part of your sun protection behavior um, particularly if you have pigmentary conditions like melasma which can be you know set off by sun exposure yeah fantastic and i think it's, it's worth saying to people that you know things like moisturizers you don't have to get the most expensive nicest one in the shop that has the the most plush packaging um by all means treat yourself or let somebody t- treat you during your pregnancy but at the same time you can you know you can get a perfectly effective cheap uh moisturizer you know at uh, any pharmacy oh exactly any farm and even your supermarket these days i i buy my moisturizer with my food shop so um, so exactly, <laughs> exactly 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 that matt you don't have to spend a fortune yeah i mean i've definitely gone a bit sort of old school there by saying it's got to be at a pharmacy you can get them anywhere but yes oh that's okay you can literally find a good moisturizer anywhere you are right that's right. And my favourite soap substitute comes from Amazon as well. I think this, the, pan, the pandemic has changed the way we shop for skincare. So um... Absolutely, yeah. So when it comes to these skin changes, a lot of these on the whole are, you, you talked about how, how some of them are cosmetic and, you know, that's not something necessarily that that is something that would be treated on the NHS. But, you know, with the skin disease aspect if you're if you're getting skin conditions flare up and so on you know how do you manage these changes and how do you recognize at which point you should go see your gp and and get this sorted out it must be really challenging because pregnancy is a time where there there's lots of changes happening yeah i I think that's a great question actually matt so i think a lot of the time you know what is normal from discussions with other women going through the same things at the same time as you 
also, um, uh, I know a lot of women start reading a lot about pregnancy and, and the body and the changes that can happen to the body um, uh, at the time that they, they fall pregnant. I, I had a book called What to Expect When You're Expecting, and I have no affiliation with the author or the book, but uh, it sort of talked you through week by week almost what sort of changes to expect, um, and, and skin was part of that. So I had a good idea. I mean, obviously, as a dermatologist, I had a good idea anyway, but I think, you know, even if one was experiencing this for the first time, you sort of... You, I think this context is what I'm trying to say uh, sort of provides you with an idea of what is normal in terms of things like skin tags and varicose veins and, and, and that sort of thing. But I think that if you had anything that looked or felt a little bit unusual and, you know, out with what you've been reading about or friends or your antenatal group or your GP or your midwife uh, uh, has discussed with you, then I think, you know, it would be important to, to, to seek reassurance that, that the changes are normal. So, we talk about, you know, I, I talked about, you know, skin tags developing, but of sure, if you have a sort of odd lump or bump that develops during pregnancy and it keeps on growing and, you know, it's dark or it's bleeding, or what have you, we would give the same advice to anyone at any other stage of life that your doctor should look at that for you um, to make sure it's nothing for you to, to be worried about, not something that needs any further investigation. And then I think there are some, um, uh, you know, um, precautions I would take around if you do have a, a new skin condition that develops during pregnancy or if an existing skin condition flares up, you know, I think it would be important to discuss that with your doctor as well. And then finally, there are some um, pregnancy specific rashes um, that I think, you know, one would want to seek uh, prompt attention for if uh, if they developed. And I can, you know, talk you through those in a little bit more um, more detail. One of the um, fairly common things that uh, happens during uh, pregnancy, I say common, common in the context of pregnancy-related rashes, is a condition called PUPP, P-U-P-P-P. It's sometimes also called uh, polymorphic eruption of pregnancy. And um, this is a change which is a little bit mysterious. I don't think we really understand why it happens, but it often happens in the second or third trimester, so towards the end of the pregnancy. And it's sort of really itchy, uh, red, raised bumps that tend to develop on the tummy, like in the stretch marks where the abdomen has expanded. A curiosity is it tends to spare the belly button, so it doesn't tend to affect the belly button. And sometimes if it's very flared up, it can also cause um, these itchy spots to appear on places like the thighs or the arm. And it can be intensely itchy um, and it's sort of difficult to ignore. Um, so if that sort of thing happens, then you should let your midwife know or your GP know. And um, sometimes a dermatologist will be consulted uh, in that situation as well to confirm the diagnosis. And treatment is generally waiting to deliver the baby, which is a frustrating thing to tell a pregnant woman who's already uncomfortable. Um, but there are things we can do to help soothe the skin in the meantime, like, you know, advising on appropriate emollients. And sometimes we'll say to put it in the fridge before you apply it so it feels nice and cooling on the skin and occasionally we'll use a topical steroid as well. So that's one of the sort of more common pregnancy related rashes. Then there are some rarer ones which are a bit more serious. So there's a condition called cholestasis of pregnancy and this is a condition where the bile acids sort of liver byproduct, if you like, sort of build up in the bloodstream. And um, one of the um, uh, effects of this is intense itching. And it's interestingly often of areas like the palms and the wrists. Um, so sort of very specific. And one really amazing story I heard a few years ago, just a sort of anecdote is there was a, someone I was following on Instagram, a woman who was in, in late stages of her pregnancy. And she wrote a post about, I've got this real intense itching on my palms. Um, and, you know, wasn't going to do anything about it. and a bunch of people wrote and said oh my gosh that sounds like it could be cholestasis of pregnancy 
The next post this woman put was, had to have an emergency delivery of my baby because I went to the hospital and I had cholestasis of pregnancy oh, wow. when they did the blood test. And, they, you know, she sort of, not to be dramatic, but, you know, that she had been told that this might have been, you know, save, you know might have saved her life or her baby's wow. life, etc. So I think that would be a really, you know, any sort of weird, really intense itching of the, of the palms and wrists that um, uh, should send you to your midwife. Uh, and then finally, there's a, a condition that we read a lot about in dermatology textbooks and learn about when we're training and thankfully don't see very often in real life. And that's a condition called pemphigoid gestationis, which is a blistering condition of the skin. It causes itchy red patches on the skin. This rash often does involve the belly button in about 50% of cases and, and can sometimes cause large fluid-filled blisters on the skin as well and would need to be referred to a dermatologist usually for treatment, which may be something like steroid cream. Sometimes it will require oral steroid treatment as well. Um, and occasionally the baby may need to be delivered early because uh, there's a potential risk of um, preterm labor or small a small baby. So those are some of the pregnancy specific rashes um, to be aware of. It sounds like, you know, it's similar to what we'd, we'd say to a lot of patients. Anyway, you know, A, if you're, if you're worried about something, then it's probably best to get it checked out. If something's really nagging at you, if something's persisting, you know, or if it's affecting your day-to-day ability to, to live your life, then that's probably a sign that it's not quite right and get it checked. Yeah, ex- exactly, Matt, all of those things. So, as I was saying, I think usually there's context that you you kind of know what's normal because you, uh, you've read about it or other you know friends who've gone through the same have experienced it. But, you know, if something seems unusual, if it's severe, it's impacting your quality of life. You know, for example, if it's so itchy, you can't sleep or it's, un- you know, uncomfortable and you can't sit down because you're knocking sores and blisters, you definitely need to be seeing your doctor by that stage. I think it's quite nice that sort of um, so many pregnancy classes and like prenatal classes exist because I think mums do sort of find a community and obviously they can talk about all the different skin conditions that they are experiencing which is always I think beneficial I think that's exactly right I think it's it's I think it's really really beneficial to have that community and those other people to um, discuss these with and and run things by you know both in terms of skin during pregnancy and everything else that happens you know once the baby once the baby arrives as well so we obviously spoke about ingredients medications that uh, pregnant people should avoid so what about uh, medications breastfeeding uh, women should avoid yeah, so I think it's not exactly the same, uh, in, you know, uh, when pregnant or breastfeeding. There are some differences. Uh, so some medications will pass through into uh, breast milk and will need to be avoided during pregnancy. Um, others that you had to avoid during pregnancy might be okay to, to use if breastfeeding. I think it's uh, worth a discussion with um, a doctor if you have a skin condition that requires ongoing uh, medical therapy when breastfeeding. Um, so in, to enable you to sort of plan around that. I, I know with lots of topical medications, uh, the advice would be that um, you can continue using it, but maybe don't apply to areas that the baby's skin would come into direct contact with. So for example, onto your chest um, around the time of a feed. Um, so that might require a little bit of planning for women who are planning to um, breastfeed. And this is something that a GP or dermatologist can advise if we've prescribed a medication for you to, to use topically. Great, fantastic. I mean, it's been really fantastic talking to you about this. It's it's something that I I came into not knowing a huge amount about. Same. As you can probably imagine. 
I've learned a lot today and I what I like about this episode is I think that it's going to be sort of helpful and practical to a huge amount of people so thank you so much for your time today oh it's an absolute pleasure Matt and Harriet thank you so much for having me it's been lovely chatting with you thanks Justine well that was our guest Dr Justine Cluck thank you very much to her for giving up her time today and that's all we've got time for we hope that you'll join us in two weeks time <laughs>